0: Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 112 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today we're going to continue talking with Chad Wilson about CWMUs or Cooperative Wildlife Management Units as we dive into the plans and the different things that go into creating CWMUs as well as overall management of the program and how it works and the general perception behind it. Sit back and enjoy. Thanks. With your position and where you are, you see the challenges, the good things and the challenges. How's uh, the public's perception of this program in Utah? Is there a lot of confusion, people are generally for it, or are there some changes people are looking for?
1: Yeah, I, I think every, there's always people looking for changes, right? Yes, like, absolutely, <laughs> especially in wildlife. Nobody's happy. Yeah, yeah. and nothing's yeah. ever perfect, yeah. and you can't, you can't make it perfect. But from what I've seen from feedback from when I go on my regional advisory council tours and and the wildlife board and we get feedback from the public and it, it honestly it seems pretty split um you get
0: when you look at it split like that let's say it's a 50 50 50 percent of the people are happy is that i would say that's a pretty good baseline like if you got 50 percent of the people happy and 50 percent upset i would say you're doing a pretty good job
1: yeah yeah and that's usually <laughs> a usually the rule of thumb that we go by is like you're not going to please everybody so yeah. You, you probably hit somewhere in the middle. If if some are happy and and some are not happy, um, and, but I, I would say we the other challenge with CWMUs is, is I think there's a segment of people that don't understand the program and don't care to find out. So they're they're kind of neutral. So they're 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 in the middle. And I would say that that's probably a majority of the hunters. They're just they've never looked into it. They
0: that's why I wanted to sit down with you today because yeah. that's what I find. Like 80% of the people yeah. complain. Yep. Because it costs so much, but those eighty percent don't realize that they could put in for a tag themselves. Yeah, and, and, they and it doesn't have to be just bucks and bulls. It can be antlerless as well. They yeah. don't realize these things.
1: Yeah, and antlerless, we get a lot of we get a lot of tags for the public through the antlerless. I think last year, well, yeah, it was it was eleven twelve hundred tags through the antlerless portion of CWMUs.
0: So and it, they're filling their tags. At, a lot of them are above what eighty five ninety percent.
1: It. I think statewide for cow elk it was around seventy percent. Seventy. Well, that's yeah. still
0: high because you look at the what a general unit's sixteen, eighteen percent. Y- yeah. Typically. I, I don't. I
1: wouldn't <laughs> know those numbers, but I wouldn't say more than thirty percent. Yeah. Thirty or forty percent on a unit's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, much that's higher success rates. I, I would say that, that is a challenge. That's probably one of the biggest challenges, though. Is, um, I think sometimes the public has an expectation when they go on those hunts that this is it's on private lands they have lots of elk all you do is drive down the road until you see an elk standing in the road and then you shoot it and then you put it in the truck and you're done
0: and almost like a high fence hunt yeah 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 there's that 100 percent guarantee
1: right and and it's not i mean there might be some cwmus throughout the state where it's it's easier but i would say for the most part the these are hunts that you have to put a little bit of effort into and so um we we ask those CWMUs to get that harvest, and sometimes they get frustrated because they don't feel like the people putting in put forth enough but effort.
0: There was a misconception.
1: <laughs> yeah, a misconception. So they they're they're trying to to get their harvest that we're asking them to get, and and it's a challenge because. Um, and I think it's pretty natural for most hunters to say, well, an antlerless, I'm I'm not going to put as much effort in on a <laughs> There's cow. A yeah. As a cow, as I am a bull, like if you see a big bull down in a steep Canyon, you might just say, let's go do this. I don't care how hard it is. If you see a cow at the bottom of a Canyon, most hunters are like,
0: it's a cow. I'm not going to put,
1: let's try to find something easier. So, so that's been a challenge, but, um, yeah, just something we have to work through.
0: There's positives and negatives. Yeah. That's cool. How many, do you, do you uh, off the top of your head know how many CWMUs there are across the state?
1: I think the last latest number is 134.
0: That's quite a bit. Yeah. And they're spread all the way from northern Utah all the way down to the yep. bottom of Utah.
1: Yep. And a majority are in the northern part. I think 72, 74 of them are in, in northern Utah. So you for sure get the lion's share up there. But
0: Well, that's quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> when I was
0: uh, going through the rules of uh, the requirements, I guess, so to speak, for the CWMUs, um, there's quite a bit of desert land, and it talked about how one of the requirements was that they had to be able to keep animals on their property. So not anybody can have a CWMU.
1: Right. Yeah. So, and we do have some acreage requirements. So for, for deer and pronghorn, they have to have 5,000 contiguous acres, um, and for deer and elk or not deer and elk for elk and moose, they've got to have 10,000 contiguous acres.
0: So you can't have a section of 5,000 and then a quarter of a mile away, have another section of 5,000, put it together because of that ground in between.
1: Right. Yeah. And there, there, I mean, there are some exceptions given at times and you'll see some that, that aren't meeting those minimums. So that we do have a variance process that could potentially allow for it, but generally speaking, um, you're probably going to have to at least have closer to 9,000, 9,500 of contiguous acres and not have an ability to get more private land. So so this doesn't have to be just one landowner, right? It it can be multiple landowners that agree to sign up. So if you're sitting at 9,000 acres and you've got a neighbor that's got 1,500 that would put you over the 10,000, um, the answer is probably going to be get your neighbor to join. Um,
0: it seems not, more financially beneficial yeah. to try and work together.
1: Yeah. so I like that. Yeah, and it helps to have everybody more on the same page of of what to do. So how to manage it.
0: You started to speak on it, but can you talk about, like, all the requirements? Let's say that I wanted to start an elk CWMU. I had 10,000 acres, and I want to start one. What would be the requirements to go through that process?
1: Yeah, so we have an application process that opens up end of May, beginning of June. Um, Applications are due August 1st. But if you reach out to me or to the wildlife biologist in your area, um, it's mostly just going through that application process, uh, as far as tag numbers and everything that that's usually an agreement made between the CWMU operator and, and the biologist. Um, but yeah, it's throwing together a map, putting together a map, showing your acreage. Um,
0: can they include like ag ground in that as well? Yeah. Yeah. So if they've got plowed fields, why not? They can include in, all that. Any
1: private land can be in there. Um, to your point earlier too is like not not all acreage is created equal so it it needs to be habitat and support or wildlife so so if they
0: have a a pivot with a hayfield it would support wildlife technically yeah because they're coming in feeding on it so that would still qualify but if it's just salt flats
1: yeah if you have 10,000 acres of salt flat out in the desert that you know, maybe a few deer come through every once in a while. It's it's, it's not su- it needs to be sustainable is the way the the okay. rule reads. So, so, even if it was one where you have some, but and that's part of the reason for the elk seed of them used to be ten thousand acres. If you have five thousand acres, you could shoot a few elk and then they could be gone. Like they'll they'll be off onto somebody else's. So it needs to be sustainable that year after year um, that that wildlife is there
0: and huntable. I like that. What other requirements? That's pretty much it, isn't it? Do you guys have to go in and do a habitat assessment? Are there any requirements for somebody who wants to apply? Are there any habitat requirements that they have to do upkeep or maintain?
1: No. Um, I think what we've seen on, on that end of it, there, there's not that. And, and, you know, we use the salt flats as an example. Well, if you don't have any wildlife on you, you probably aren't going to put in for the program either. So, right, like they're marketing – a lot of, most of the times they're marketing their tags on the other end and they've got to be able to sell those tags. So they have to have a, have the animals there for them to be able to do that. So it, it doesn't really benefit them if, if they're not there as well. So so a lot of this is on them. Um, private landowners know their land way better than we ever will. We will never spend as much time on it as no, they do. Yeah. So, so there is part of it relying on them and there's a check and balance on it. Um, we look at satisfaction ratings from the public hunters, um, harvest rates, and so if we start seeing those numbers dip, that that would put it put them in jeopardy. Um, and and currently, I'll, I'll be honest. Currently, we have some that are kind of on that lower end that we're looking at either
0: as far as harvest wise, yeah.
1: Oh well, satisfaction or satisfaction. Is probably even more than harvest because harvest sometimes is a choice, right? Like yeah. You can yeah. see a four right. point. You could see a whole bunch of four points and choose not to harvest,
0: but overall satisfaction but, of the hunter.
1: Yeah, but be satisfied. Um,
0: maybe so, they didn't see any animals, or yeah,
1: could be. Yeah, the satisfaction could be really low, and sometimes we realize too, like sometimes maybe personalities didn't
0: click. Yeah, didn't click, <laughs> and, and
1: so see so there can be other reasons for bad satisfaction. So we don't look at just one year, but if if we see a trend over, you know, four, five, six years that. That the satisfaction ratings are kind of low, then yeah, we're going to have talks with them and either say, well, do we need to cut the tags, or do we need to cut your CWMU, or just that species out of the CWMU? But yeah, so there's checks and balances there, and I feel like you asked me a question and I didn't. I went totally on a different. No, tangent. no, no. You're you're doing great.
0: The kind of it kind of triggered something though. Uh, how many? Like if I have enough acreage for elk, elk seems to be the largest requirement for ground can I bundle a whole bunch into an elk CWMU like can I do elk deer oh yeah pronghorn if you have all those species available year-round on your property
1: yeah and so we have a couple like Deseret's probably the the most well-known of our CWMUs they have deer elk pronghorn moose Um, so the only one that they currently don't have that they could would be turkeys And there's there's only two turkey (laughs) CWMUs statewide. Statewide. Yeah. So it's, yeah.
0: Is that one just not popular? Because there's so much opportunity? Yeah. yeah,
1: I think, I don't think that there's a ton of benefit on that. It's a 50-50 split on tags. And where we usually have a general season, Um, you can just go sell a trespass fee and get the same result. So it seems like a lot of them will do it for six years or so and then say, well, I don't know that we're getting that much out of it and so they quit but
0: have you uh seen landowners once they're involved in the program all of a sudden be like okay there is a real benefit to wildlife being here and me taking care of have you seen where landowners have gone in put a bunch of effort into habitat to improve yeah for sure What in what ways like would they target or the habitat or whatnot to improve
1: well, So so you have a lot, like one of the most popular things that we even do as a state, is a lot of times they piggyback on what we're doing for our habitat. So pinion, juniper removals, um, things like that. But just even even the seeds that they would plant, more more things that are uh, bitter brush, uh, things that, that the wildlife would.
0: So they, you see a more active role in them once they're involved in this in ways to improve their overall habitat. Yeah. So it seems like it's definitely beneficial.
1: Yeah, and and what I'd say too, I don't know that we've ever had a CWU that just voluntarily said this this program's not for me and left. Like if they leave <laughs> it's, it's it's usually for <laughs> other reasons yeah. that that they have to go. But um I've talked to a lot of CWU people and and they will tell others that are thinking about joining that this is the best program in the in the Western US. Um
0: and Which is interesting. I spent a lot of my career, when I was in wildlife for that short period of time, I spent a lot of it on private property, dealing with private property issues. And never once did I go on a CWMU because they never had issues with wildlife. I mean, they really became tolerant. And it was the individuals who had large acres, large amount of acres, they were the most intolerant because, one, they either didn't want to be in a CWMU or they didn't qualify. And so they just really became Intolerant yeah. of wildlife, so yeah, I've never spent any time on a CWMU yeah. until I was working with some other employees who were had projects. So that's cool that they're that tolerant. There was a, a ranch, uh, I believe, in northern Utah, that if I understand correctly, they put like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars into a water system. They're right on that Utah Idaho border, and uh, it really dramatically improved their overall elk population Uh, the one of the one of the things that people get upset is that once they put in that water the elk started staying more on that property which in a way I can understand if you're a public land hunter and they're drawing elk in but then the other thing it did though is it reduced overall depredation to I mean I see a lot of depredation happening that was what I was in but so I've seen the good... Yeah,
1: and you, you see that. You see them um, like a large amount of the animals are on the CWMUs. Um, but what you also what you also have to keep in mind is, especially these these in northern Utah where you have the, the private lands, they're almost all private lands. Um, before CWMUs, our management objectives were significantly lower uh, because of a social tolerance so
0: explain that. can you explain a little more in depth than that
1: yeah yeah so just because of all the amount of claims we would get for depredation and people saying come get your wildlife off my land um you'd have to set a, a popular and i don't know these numbers exactly yeah. but we'll just we'll throw out some figurative ones like you'd say okay well your your our objective for elk is one thousand elk and so we'd be managing towards that that low number um then you get CWMUs in that all of a sudden say, well, I want some elk on my property, and then another guy, I want I want the elk on my property too, and then pretty soon that thousand objective goes up to three thousand or four thousand, and now you have significantly more wildlife in that unit than what you would before the CWMU program
0: because so, there's so much more tolerance. Yeah,
1: and even though a lot of those are hanging out and. On the CWUs, they still will spill off onto the other public lands that are around them, and, and provide opportunity for people. I know, I know, in those units that a lot of hunters will hunt near CWUs for that exact reason, just waiting for them to, to yeah, come off. Yeah, the
0: fence walkers or the yeah. border walkers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because they're
1: calling them uh, elk specifically, trying to call them off of yeah. the, the unit. So um,
0: that's that's cool. I like the the fact that before you had a bunch of intolerance and they were hated. Everybody hated them. I talked to a lot about a lot of the old timers in northern Utah, and they truly hated elk yeah. in the ranching. And now you talk to some of these people, who have brought their property into these CWMUs, and their tone changes quite a bit. A lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's one ranch that uh, is really popular here. That they say they make their money off of cattle, and they make their profits off of CWMU, and and it's working together. Bringing those things too together to bring tolerance—that's pretty cool. Can you talk about uh, the management plans that go on? Are they similar to the way? Because I know you were a biologist before this. Yeah. So are the management plans for these CWMUs similar to what you would find for a unit?
1: Uh, not really. Even though they're they're big tracts of land, like our our units are still significantly larger and. So five thousand acres, or let's just say ten thousand acres for elk. It, that's elk have a, a way bigger territory than that. So to to, because even on our units sometimes I don't know if they're big enough to really have to manage elk super good, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. like sometimes they they have really big home ranges. So so it's really hard to to specifically say oh you ten thousand CWU acre or CWMU. Uh, you've got to, we want you to be at a hundred elk. Um, those are like, it's, that's just, it's really hard to manage it that way. Because they're migratory. Yeah. So how, how do these so, plans differ? Yeah. And, and a lot of it is, I don't know that there's like a written, there's not a written plan with an objective of like, this is what we're trying to get at. But um, it, if you see, we, we try to make it, and this, this becomes a little bit challenging because a lot of these are, they're, CWMUs are limited entry units mm-hmm. on their own. They're their own hunt boundary and they're inside a general season unit. So you have conflicting management styles within the same area. Uh, sometimes that CW well, almost every time that CWMU is surrounded by the other unit. Um, and so, so it's challenging that way. So we want them to have theirs at a limited entry quality. So we want you know, if a public hunter yeah, if somebody this, and they
0: have eighteen points, they're yeah. going to be upset if they're shooting a small raghorn. Yeah, horn if they're
1: shooting the same thing that they're shooting on the other side on the public. Yeah. So, so, they have to they have to have a higher. Uh, and this is probably something that we're going to be working on the on the future is maybe defining more what those objectives are for CWMUs. Like, what is what is a limited entry? Because e- even on deer, we manage those units um, buck doe ratio. Well, we don't have the staff to even do buck doe ratios on a CWMU. Uh, And sometimes, you know, we always do those after the hunts are over. We do them, you know, start in November. Um, A lot of these CWMUs are, they kind of hit the migratory range. So the animals are on them in September and October, but by November, there's nothing. There's nothing. So so you can't really go do, you can't really go say, well, they're above the buck doe ratio or they're below it. It, most of them are always hunt pretty conservative and are above it. Um, so that's actually something we're trying to work on of like how do, how do we determine if if the CWMUs are meeting a limited entry quality and standard. Um,
0: Is so that where it goes into hunter satisfaction? Is that kind of how you're judging it now?
1: That's how we're judging it
0: now. So it's no. a, it's adaptive if yeah. uh, if the landowner comes to you and says we're just having a hard time can we lower the permits or if we've got so many more yep you can raise and lower depending on what you see there
1: yeah that and that's mostly how we do it and like i was saying we as a state well as cw muse will hunt way more conservative than what we do as a state um so i i don't know that there's ever been a time in my career um on a general season unit that we've said you have too many tags um as long it would be satisfaction ratings that would that'd be the one thing that would drive us to say yeah let's cut back so
0: that's interesting they're because they're so much more conservative
1: yeah they're so much more conservative and people are happy so
0: i I was reading there's kind of two different hunt structures based upon tag dispersal because I don't think a lot of people understand how the tags are given out. Can you talk about those two two differences?
1: Uh, as far as the splits on the, the splits, yeah. yeah. So on deer let's say
0: let's say it's an elk unit or a deer unit. You come in, you determine they're given. How do you determine how many tags you can give them? Uh,
1: once again, it, a lot of it's just them. So like we we're saying earlier, they they've been on their land way more and know way more than what we do. Um,
0: it is there. Let's say the overall unit gets ten thousand tags. Are these CWMU tags pulled from the overall?
1: They're not pulled from it, but so they have their own. Yeah, but it's it's also not additive. It's in conjunction, <laughs> somewhat, right? So we can't have a CWMU that's hurting the, the overall. general or yeah. the limit
0: other limited entry yeah. unit.
1: Yeah, and limited entries probably probably makes a little more sense on that. So let's just talk elk, and I've, I've had these conversations with division employees of um, we used to do it kind of on acreage, and I think we're just going to move more. Like we get that data back from from the CWMUs, and if that elk unit's at an age objective of six, and the CWMUs killing eight year old elk, uh, they'd have room to grow if they or to add more tags if they want.
0: Now, so you could bring that down
1: yeah so so we could the, give them more tags so they can match it more and if they're if they're killing elk that are aged four-year-olds and we're probably going to cut the tags until that age gets back up to meet our objective in that unit so it's probably easier to think of it that way and it's a little more defined than on our general season units because they're yeah the general season's different yeah a lot different yeah yeah it's a so,
0: yeah it's a lot different so how, how so you're working with landowners to come up with tags, and how do they break up that, that split for public versus? Yeah, So sold private tags?
1: Yeah, and it's you know for, for deer and elk, they have the options, and, and we let them choose the option, but most of them are choosing a 90/10 split, meaning they get nine permits and the public gets one. Um, the flip of that, the flip side of that is the antlerless splits go directly off of those splits. So if they choose a 90-10 split, the public gets 100% of the antlerless tags. Um, and that, that can be a significant amount. The one that's that probably shows it the best is Deseret. Um, they probably don't quite have 100 elk tags, bull elk. It's right around that area and they have 310 public cow elk tags. Holy cow. So Yeah. So yeah, that's a lot of opportunity.
0: So there's far more, it seems to me there there's far more public hunters going on to some of these in certain um, situations. Yeah.
1: And, and Deseret's probably the outlier of that. Like there's... They're the are they... Oh, they, that are that they're, more,
0: they're more tolerant of the public than maybe some of the...
1: I, I think it's more where there's a couple reasons. We're over objective on that unit. So it's... there There's... There's too many elk right now, so part of that is to try to cut back on the elk.
0: So in the overall unit, not the CWMU, but the overall unit yeah. surrounding the CWMU plus the CWMU, they're objective yeah.
1: I mean, if you, went and talk, if you went and asked Deseret, do you have the amount of elk you want? They'd say, no, we want a lot less. Um, and, you know, there's, there's various reasons for that, but uh, a lot of it, I think...
0: They have a lot of unbroken acreage. Well, and just in the surrounding area around them as well.
1: Yeah, and if you look at the studies, and antler growth is mostly comes from nutrition. So if you have too many animals between, you know, they're a cattle ranch too. I, I believe cattle, sheep, they maybe do sheep, but anyway, they they have other ranching purposes. So they they do that. They have elk. They have deer. They have pronghorn. And if you get too many mouths, you're just cutting back your nutrition, and then you start you're seeing, losing it on everything. Yeah, you start seeing less antler growth, and so it's, you know, they're they're trying to get as big as animals as they can. So it it's actually hurting their deer and their elk antler growth. So cut back on that and get it more manageable. Get more nutrition in in those bucks and bulls, and yeah. So it, yeah,
0: that's interesting. If you have a CWMU that's that far over objective is there, can you go for a couple of years and be like, okay, we're just going to double your tags. Would they go for it? Are they asking for that? Or is that just something the state doesn't do?
1: No, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a, it's really hard to do because it's like we talked earlier, this, the cow hunting isn't as easy. Like if it, if it was just like, yeah, you can take these and you're going to get the harvest and it's, and it's easy. I think they'd all be like, yeah, let's do it. But,
0: um, I think of the cow elk is one of the hardest hunts I've ever been on in my life, just yeah. cause it was late winter yeah, and it just sucks. And they're on these steep faces
1: and that, and that's what you see is you, you pull up and it's like, there's a whole bunch of snow and it's like, well, the elk are right there about a mile away. We just got to hike up this mountain. We'll get one. And, and that the hunters sucks. are like, no, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I'll go hunt again another year and and try to kill something else. So so it's not always as just as easy as like we'll give you more tags and then we'll get more harvest and then we'll get the population down. It's it's actually quite complex and it's something that we're currently trying to fi- solve that problem of, of how do we get back to objective, how do we do this, um, and make it so it works. Yeah, um,
0: that that is a, it. Seemed to be a challenge. Uh, when I was working there is how do you bring some of these units that are completely private, 80, 80%, 85, 90% private. No. How do you bring them down to objective? Is CWMUs helping control or at least getting you close to objective or is it just, uh, there's just, it's just really difficult to bring them back to objective.
1: It's really difficult and we're always in conversations with the CWMUs on what we can do. So, and, and I'm, i maybe more specifically, I don't know if it's good to name <laughs> areas, but this is mostly Morgan South Ridge. Yeah. That, uh, that's the Creek. one I
0: was thinking of. It's highly private.
1: Yeah. And, and I think if you go and ask all the CWMU operators, do we have too many elk? I think they all say yes. Um, But how to get back to objective with what we just said is, is a very difficult problem to solve. Um, the other thing that I think we've seen in the past is that we've asked CW Muse, as they said, We're over objective. You got to go kill a whole bunch of cow elk. And they do. They, like, they're, they're actually really great partners on most of this, but they also have a, a vested interest. So I think in the past they've done that. And then they've, what they've seen is, is they've shot their resident herd, and now their elk hunting
0: dwindles sucks. for a couple of years because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they killed the residents. Yeah.
1: And so, so now they're struggling and now they don't want to kill any cows because they want they don't want to mess up their hunt and i, I think you see some of that in on these cw muses like yeah we want less but i don't want to make it so i don't have an elk herd that i can't hunt anymore and it's so really interesting yeah it's i never a thought about a
0: resident, a resident herd
1: yeah it's a legitimate concern and i think i think we've shown it in the past like i there's a lot of cw muse up in those areas that are you know they they did what we asked they killed the cow elk and then now hunter, satisfaction, pain.
0: hunter satisfaction dropped
1: well and sometimes they drop out of the elk because they just don't have them they can't they can't get them back or they're trying to cut their cow tags and so yeah it's it's a lot more complex than just let's give you more tags let's get it done um even if the CWUs want it now that make the good thing is is that relationship is we're able to have those conversations with them um we're able to work with them and try to figure out things that we can do to get it back to objective because it's where we all want to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The majority of the conversation that's going on with the local biologist, right?
1: Yeah. most Mostly with the local biologist on, on this one, Morgan Southridge. I think we're going to have more conversations with, um, well, all the CWMUs. It'll probably be a little more in depth than just the local biologist. Cause it's, I was a biologist there 10 yeah. years ago and it was the same. So that that's the frustrating part. It was the same conversations, but it's, it's complex enough that like, if it was easy, we would already solved it. Right.
0: Wildlife well, so, are hard. Yeah. But,
1: 10 years later, we're yeah. still working on this. Um, it's probably a little more pressing now than it has been in the past. Uh, like something that we really feel like as a division and at most of CWMUs that we got to just figure out something to get it under control and, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we'll figure something out.
0: What uh, what's that pressing factor? Is it is it damage that they're causing, depredation, or or is there overall habitat degradation going on?
1: It's the overall habitat, and I think you see in this big winter. I mean, this is an unprecedented winter, right? It's awesome. We had one it's awesome
0: any. if you ski, but it sucks <laughs> if you're into wildlife.
1: Yeah. So it's been a long time since we've had one, but um, and you've probably heard. I mean, there's there's elk that are starving to death deer that are starving to death they're just they're just not doing good and I think anytime it's like your carrying capacity will change over time right depending on the conditions well we're obviously over carrying capacity if we have a whole bunch of animals starving so uh, we we just need a uh, puts it to the head a little bit more of like do we if we have another winter like this is this is this where we want to be an answer, yeah because i've been not. up on
0: uh hardware and you're seeing a lot of animals starting to drop they've yeah. been dropping for the last month or so even though they're feeding yeah uh, they're doing some feeding in echo and these are some of those animals that you're talking about yeah and there's just too many elk yeah you
1: yeah. know so and it's challenging everybody acknowledges yeah. it yeah it's just how how to get back to objective that that's the hard part
0: Again, I'd like to thank Chad for sitting down and talking with us about CWMUs. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. There's going to be another section coming out tomorrow. So tune in, find out more about CWMUs and the tools that they're using to manage wildlife. Everybody have a great day. Stay wild.